Good morning. Greet you in Jesus' name this morning. It truly is good to be together. Enjoyed the Sunday school hour. It's the beginning of a new year. What are your expectations for 2019? Did 2018 go as planned? Are you excited about serving the Lord in 2019? There will be some uncertainties, I'm sure of that. But I'd like to point you to someone, to God, who will give us direction and confidence that we need to go through this year. The title of my message this morning is Seeking After God, Setting Our Faces Toward God. The Bible talks about seeking after the face of God, and in studying that, the Hebrew doesn't necessarily mean to actually see the face of God, but to to seek after His presence. Will you seek after the presence of God? Do you do you delight in being in His presence? Turn to Psalms 27, <clears throat> a very familiar psalm. I think this psalms was read here not real long ago, but I'm going to read it again. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my enemy and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stu- they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me up upon a rock. And now shall mine head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in His tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me, and answer me. When thou sayest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me, but but put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation." When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord." Here's a psalm by David, and he's delighting in the Lord. And looking at what the Lord is and does, David says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Verse 1, The Lord 
is my strength. The Lord is my refuge. The Lord hears our cry. The Lord is merciful. The Lord will not forsake us, and the Lord will lead us. Remember how Moses wanted to see the face of God? And what did God say? Turn to Exodus chapter 33. It's the account of Moses when he was up on the mountain. Exodus chapter 33, I'm going to begin reading at verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses face to face, as a man speaketh unto his friend. And he turned again into the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, departed not out of the tabernacle. And Moses said unto the Lord, See, thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me known, know who thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known? Hear that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separate, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said unto Moses, I will do this thing also and thou that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in thy sight, in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passes by, that I will put my put thee in the cleft of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. Here was Moses experiencing the presence of the Lord. And he had found grace in God's sight. It's interesting that God told Moses that no man can see my face and live. But yet, Moses was able to experience a little bit of that glory that God had. And we remember more of the story too, how Moses talked with God and was there and how he came back down to the people and his face was shining and they couldn't even look upon him and they had to veil it. It was that bright. And I had to think, does our faces show the presence of God? Can people see that the presence of God is written on our face? Does it shine? A friend of mine sent me a quote yesterday. 
it says, you have as much laughter as you have faith. And that was contributed by Martin Luther. And I chewed on that. And I'm thinking how never considered laughter being related to faith. But maybe there is some correlation in the fact that as we have faith in God and rest in that, trust in that, there's an inner joy, there's, there's happiness that is produced from that. Looking on to God opens us up to receive more of who He is and to understand more of His intent for His children. As we stand on this threshold of a new year, there will become priorities. You will make priorities. Things will, things will happen to their importance to you. And what will those things be? My challenge is to you, no matter what kind of pressures you are going to face, that life is going to bring to you, fix your eyes on God, and then those priorities will fall into place. In the midst of pressure, there is one thing that will determine the course of your life, and that is your priorities. What is important to you? Everyone here this morning had a priority. And I assume that was to come to church, because you're all here. But tomorrow morning, we'll all have different priorities. Some will be to go to work. Some will be to take children to school. Maybe some will have tests tomorrow at school. Um, and you can fill in the blank, whatever those priorities may be. But what is important? What is important will make a priority. Sometimes we have priorities. And there's something that gets in the way of that priority. It's up to us whether we accept it or close, shut it out. I guess an example I, I thought of is using the, the example of, of a student studying in school. And your priority is particularly thinking of those that are in college going to schooling. And, and your priority is to get through school and get, get on with life and work and work and, and you just you're engrossed your 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 being is just all into the studying but let's say uh, some special friend comes into your life all of a sudden you find time to be with that friend and maybe your schooling kind of that priority changed it probably will change and you make time for that person I like to make a comparison with that, with God. You know, sometimes we make priorities, and we have our set plan. But when God comes into our life, some of those priorities, some of those things that we thought were important have to change. And we have to make room for God. Our agendas, our priorities have to take a back seat. And we have to focus on what He wants. I don't want to portray God as a buddy. Be after all, He is Lord and Creator of you and me, and He deserves our worship and praise. But having godly priorities is crucial.
If your priorities are not clearly defined, you will be swept through life by the very pressures and you and you will become a victim of your circumstances. Life can be hectic. And I have a story of someone who found life to be hectic. And this is how it goes. This is from a clip out of the Reader's Digest. It all began when the the dental hygienist who was scraping tartar off my teeth asked, Do you spend about four minutes each time you brush your teeth? With a gurgling tube hanging out of my lip, I responded, A little less than that. You really should, she said, or you will lose your teeth. I vowed to myself that I would floss, pick, and brush and rinse as instructed. At my annual physical examination, a doctor asked, How often do you exercise? Do you limit your salt intake? And does your diet contain much cholesterol? I thus began the intensive fitness program, which I check off my daily personal maintenance schedule on the refrigerator door. I then made an appointment for a beauty makeover. When is the last time you had a facial? The cosmetologist asked. Never didn't seem like the right answer, so I hedged with, it's been a while. You should have a facial more often. You already got some wrinkles around your eyes, she warned. Mentally, I added, get a facial to my personal maintenance schedule. I soon learned personal maintenance was not all that I had to worry about. At the appliance repair shop, the clerk examined my coffee maker and asked, do you run white vinegar through each month? This began my home maintenance schedule, which took its place next to my personal maintenance schedule. Several other appliances, too, began demanding my attention when I discovered that the tape deck in my car and the disk driver in my computer also required required cleaning. I wondered how long I could keep up with this rigorous program. I was sleeping four hours at night and had lost touch with my husband and children and had no social life, not to mention no room left on the refrigerator door. It all came crashing down one night when I was reading an article entitled, Are You Endangering the Lives of Your Loved Ones by Failing to Dust Your Smoke Alarms Regularly? I ran to the refrigerator and tore the schedule in shreds. Here was someone that had got caught up with priorities. If your priorities are clear, then you can re- then you can respond in pressure by making choices in line with your priorities that will give you direction in your life. <clears throat> Turn to Psalms sixty-three. <clears throat> Another account from David. Psalm 63. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live, I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. 
When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth me. But those who seek my soul to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword, they shall be a portion for the foxes. But the king shall rejoice in God. Every one that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speaketh lies shall be stopped. David was a man that lived under extreme pressure. He was the king of Israel, and being in leadership, his own son had led a rebellion against him, and David and his men had to flee for their lives. And this is probably when David penned this psalm. I'm sure he was feeling disgrace. I'm sure he was feeling rejected. And I'm sure the future looked uncertain. But it seems like David has the right perspective here in this psalm. In the first four verses, one through four, God is my desire. He's seeking after God. He wants God to be first in his life. Five through eight, God is my delight. Nine through eleven, God is my defense. He's going to be there for me. He's going to take care of justice. He's going to take uh, security of David in his own hands. David didn't have a pity party. He wasn't sitting there rubbing his own wounds. But instead he focuses on God. And he kept his focus on God. David's priority was to seek the Lord no matter what. I have three questions. What does it mean to seek after God? What does a person look like who seeks after God? How does a person seek after God? Looking at the first question, what does it mean to seek after God? Well, verse 1 of 63, O God, you are my God. I see a personal relationship. There's a big difference between knowing someone and knowing someone. You know, I could learn a lot about the president. I could know a lot about him. I can read news articles about him. I can spend hours um, learning his personal habits, his family life, but it's still not the same as knowing him personally. For me to know the the president personally, I would need an introduction. And then I'd need to spend hour upon hours with him personally to learn to know him. There's some couples in our church that are taking time to learn to know each other. And that's important. 
But you know, if it isn't those times of spending, getting together, and being together, and getting to know each other, um, you wouldn't know a lot. I mean, you could you could probably find out what they liked and disliked. But there's there's this connection when a dating couple learns to work through things, connect. It's beautiful. And our relationship with God needs to be somewhat like that, where we spend time learning and learning to know His likes and His dislikes. You know, we can do a lot of reading, we can know a lot about Him, but if we don't have that personal relationship, we're going to miss it. John 17:3, and this is the life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, who thou hast sent. Your instruction to God comes when you turn from sin and repent and accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is when you develop a relationship with Him. David was earnestly seeking after God. His soul was thirsty. He mentions it being as, as, a, as a man in a dry, thirsty land. He had a thirst for God. I can't really remember any time that I've been that thirsty that I was, my life was in jeopardy. I mean, I've been thirsty, but water has always been at my, my disposal. I even have a cup sitting here. But we need to have that same thirst. Uh, just like when we're thirsty for God. There was an illustration of a man who wanted to be a disciple of Socrates. He was a Greek philosopher. And he was begging and begging him to, to let him be a disciple. And he ignored him and kept walking. And he kept walking and walked into the water. And, and this man kept coming after him, begging to be his disciple. And, and so, I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, but Socrates took him and held him under the water and held him there for some time until he thought it was about the right time and left him come up and he'd come up grasping for air. And he went on to say that once you realize how much you desired that air, then you can be my disciple. And that's just an illustration that to be a disciple, we need to have that same desire. Just like we desire air. Just like we desire water. We need it. The example came to my mind of Jesus and the woman at the well. There she was coming for her daily water. And Jesus met her there. And the encounter was that this water that you're going to draw up, you're going to thirst again. But Jesus offered to her, he said, the water that I have, you will not thirst again. Second part of the second question, what does a person look like who seeks after God? Looking at Psalm 63, verse 5. I see a person who is satisfied. He is never complacent. So on the outside, it may look like everything is going wild, falling apart. But a person who seeks after God is going to have an inner peace and calm. He's going to find satisfaction and contentment. Psalm 63, 7, also 
because thou hast been my help, and there is therefore in the shadow of thy wing will I rejoice, finding safety, protection. And then verse 11, But the king shall rejoice in God, every one that sweareth by him shall glory, but the mouth of them that speak lies shall be stopped. There, God's justice. David's whole world seemed to be falling apart. But David called unto God, and that's what helped him to find that inner joy. When our world seems to be turned upside down, and everything seems to be going against us, call out to God, and you can have, you can have the same confidence that David had, that it will work out for the glory of God. A person who seeks after God has an inner stability and strength in crisis. God's powerful hand will uphold you. Second Corinthians three. Don't have to turn there, but Second Corinthians chapter three verse eighteen. But we all with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Looking at the last question. Looking on the face of God is going to transform us into His image. And we become like the things we focus on. When we spend time, when we spend our time in fear and worry, our lives are going to be filled with hardships. When we focus on money, we become greedy. When we focus on our needs, we become desperately, we become desperate in filling them. When we focus on things done wrong against us, we become bitter and angry. It is only in God that when we focus on Him that all good things are added. In Matthew 6 verse 33. James chapter 4 verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. God wants to be sought out. He is also eager to reveal Himself to those that love Him. Second Corinthians eleven, Second Corinthians four, verse six. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. God has placed this light in our hearts to display the face of Christ. Look full into His wonderful face. There is a perspective for you and I in looking. The things of this world will grow strangely dim. God is in complete control of this world and looking at His face gives peace and security to our lives. There is healing in looking 
in the face of Jesus and God. Review your past week, your past month, your year. Did my schedule, my life reflect seeking God was my number one priority? Seeking God is essential. Underline. Isaiah 55. Verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. We need to seek the Lord while he may be found. Closing. Came across a little, I don't know what you want to call it, but somewhat of a priority for the new year. This is how it goes. I'm walking into 2019 with a clear heart and mind. If ye owe me, don't worry about it. If ye wrong me, it's all good. Lesson learned. If you're angry with me, you won. I've let it go. If we aren't speaking, it's cool. I truly wish you well. If you feel I've wronged you, I apologize. It wasn't intentional. I'm grateful for every experience that I've received. Life is too short for a pent-up anger, holding on grudges and extra stress or pain. Here is 2019. Remember to forgive someone. Make 2019 a year of positive positivity and a season of forgiveness. I trust this has been a challenge to you as it was a challenge to me as we standing threshold of the new year, put our anchor, our face, set our face toward God. God will direct and lead in our lives and give us direction, and it's His delight to do that for His children.